All right, we're pleased to be joined for the first time by Mr. Adam Sparks, who works, of course, for the Knoxville News Sentinel, covering the Tennessee Vols. You can give Adam a follow at Adam Sparks and check out his work on the Volunteer State Podcast. Adam, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be on. And I know even before, you know, I've been following you since you covered Vanderbilt, so you know this league as well as anybody. But uh, I want to ask you about Tennessee because this, it's almost been like a meteoric rise here under Josh Heupel. I mean, it, there were analysts saying, you know, Tennessee is not going to go to a bowl game for four or five years after everything that happened last offseason. And, and they weren't off base by saying that. So I just want to start with that, Adam. How surprised are you that Tennessee has turned the corner under Josh Heupel and uh, that's before we even get to recruiting, which I, I was going to ask you here in a minute. Well, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that the the team has an identity. Um, you know, I, I mean, n- now this could go south a little bit if the NCAA hits them hard over the uh, re- alleged recruiting violations under Jeremy Pruitt. I, I tend to think that's probably not going to hit them hard enough to change the program a lot, but. And what we can judge about Josh Heupel so far, there's an identity to the team. I think they did lose that in the Pruitt era. They really lost that since even maybe a couple years in the middle of the Butch Jones era, where you didn't know what Tennessee was good at. Um, You know, when Jeremy Pruitt came in, it was supposed to be, this was going to be more of maybe like a Phil Fulmer light where it was going to be, you know, defense and winning the line of scrimmage and running the ball in a physical style, uh, sort of, sort of Alabama 10 years ago. And that's what Jeremy Pruitt was supposed to bring in. And that, that fizzled, that never happened. So any game that you went into, you said, what's Tennessee good at? What is Tennessee? Um, uh, what concerns the opponent about Tennessee? And it wasn't really one thing, the difference in that and Josh Hopple is that every opponent, including Alabama and Georgia, um, says that we're going to have to slow down this offense. This offense is going to be explosive. It's going to be fast. They're going to score in, you know, like 90 seconds. They're going to come out of the gates fast. They had the lead against Alabama and Georgia both in the first quarter. I know a small thing, but you're talking about forward steps. You want to be good at something. And this, this team was as good as, as just about any team in the country in terms of scoring and scoring fast and just being an up-tempo offense and a fun offense to watch. And I think that's got to be step one in, in getting the program back where it needs to be. You've just got to have an identity. And they have that. that, that they, they have you know weaknesses as well that has a lot to do with how that offense scores. But they are good at something. And I think that's something that the Tennessee fans just needed to hang their hat on. Now, you reference uh, the, the NCAA investigation. Do you have any uh, insight into that? Because it just seems like it doesn't matter who I ask. You know, you get a little bit of info here, a little bit of info there. But it just it just seems like it's impossible to, to kind of peg what the NCAA is, is thinking and, and what they'll actually do. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, we, we heard from a couple of months ago that this is going to be over soon. I, I never bought that for a second. You can't predict what the NCAA is going to do. Uh, you certainly don't expect them to be fast at anything. Um, and I think there's already this layer of skepticism over what's been happening with NCAA for years, um, that they're unpredictable. But then you add another layer on top of that of, you know, of NIL coming in, um, you know, with 
with the NCAA's powers uh, weakening over the past few years over, uh, you know, a new NCAA constitution that is going to possibly dictate how how um, Tennessee's infractions are seen. If they are grandfathered in, their, their infractions were before the new constitution, but they'll be judged under the new constitution. So um, all that added up, it's just, I, I think we're almost going to have some level of surprise no matter what it is because we don't really know what what to expect Mm -hmm. um maybe we get it maybe we get some kind of an answer before this year is over but but i'm not i'm not holding my breath now one of the knocks on uh, josh heupel before he got to tennessee was that uh you know maybe not uh, the elite recruiter that tennessee needs him to be to for the vols to take that next step up but Man, I'll tell you what, if uh, if Butch Jones and Derek Dooley and Jeremy Pruitt can recruit to Tennessee, I'd, I didn't have much doubt that uh, Josh Heupel could. And, of course, uh, the NIL helps uh, uh, tremendously. But are you surprised, you know, how hot of a commodity Tennessee seems to be on the recruiting trail at the moment? Well, I mean, yeah, you're right that he didn't have a he didn't have a phenomenal track record in recruiting. We really didn't have that much of a track record of him in, in, in this position because you know, when he was at UCF, they got a lot of three-star players. That's what you're supposed to get at UCF. It's a mid-major school. Even even when they were undefeated, they're still a mid-major school. Um, you know, when he, before that, he was an offensive coordinator at Missouri. Well, Missouri is also near the bottom of the SEC, so it's hard to judge that. Um, Oklahoma, uh, you know, he, he was recruiting as an offensive coordinator. He brought in some four-star quarterbacks but never had a five-star um, this is the first time he's been a head coach at a power five program. So, you know, we kind of judge him going forward. And a lot of this comes down to his staff. A lot of this comes down to, as you mentioned, um, NIL, because there's a, you know, there's a lot of NIL money being thrown around a lot of rumors of, of, you know, uh, big NIL deals that guys are signing. I think we're going to have to judge everybody's recruiting track record at this point going forward a little differently than we have in the past. But, it, it is what it is, and um, what it is right now is is a pretty good landscape for Tennessee recruiting. I mean, as we speak, they're uh, you know they, they were what top fifteen, top seventeen, something like that in the in this past class that's already signed, the twenty twenty two class. Um, that's pretty good. That, that's not going to cut it in the future for Tennessee, but considering. The fact that they had all the NCAA stuff, he thought that would hurt them. The fact that Josh Hopple's crew got in late because the firing of Jeremy Pruitt was late. Um, the fact that it was during COVID, so they're coming into a program having to recruit a new region and a new state, yet they couldn't have anybody on campus for a number of months. Uh, a lot of the in-state recruits were already committed before Josh Hopple even met them in person. Considering all that, the, to get a top 15 or even top 20 class, is is it's pretty good a pretty good start but this this class right now that they're getting commitments for the 2023 class um nico yama liava uh oh, the five-star job. court i don't even attempt it <laughs> <laughs> I, I do it once then i go nico after that uh five-star quarterback um you know if he does sign he'll be the first five-star quarterback that they that tennessee has signed in 20 years um so they have him, but they've also already picked up a number of four-star guys, and it's very, very early. But right now, their class is in the top ten, and so if they can hold that together and add some numbers on the end of the class, then then you're talking about you know sort of a a a 
a different level of Tennessee football. They, they, they've shown a little bit on the field. Like I said, they have an identity. If they can then recruit some talent on top of that, it's, it's not ridiculous to say that maybe they can make a little bit of a move back into the upper echelon of the SEC. Now, for the Knoxville News Sentinel, you wrote uh, entering spring, 10 Tennessee football players with everything to gain. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about each one of these players, but I wanted to ask you about the uh, the transfer from Florida, Gerald Mincy, the, the offensive lineman, uh, exiting spring. Does, do you have any idea if Tennessee expects him to uh, to see the field potentially as a, as a starter? As a starter, maybe. I mean, they would love for one of their guys to take the last spot on the offensive line. T- Tennessee returns uh, four starters in the offensive line. So you, you'd say, well, that's, that's no problem. It's fine. You just got to fill one more spot. That's a pretty big spot. It's, either, it's one of the two tackles. Um, uh, they could move around their, their returning tackle to the left or the right side. But in the Music City Bowl, they played without Cade Mays, who was the right tackle at the time. And the, his replacements were not up to snuff, uh, a couple of different guys. And, and those two guys are competing for the spot now. They brought in Gerald Mincy from Florida, the transfer portal, as uh, a possible replacement there. Mincy played some at Florida, but he was a reserve guy. He was, you know, in the field goal, PAT kick team. Um, so, you know, he... I guess you can look at him as he, he, he wasn't the best option in the portal, but he was an option in the portal. I, I think if, if, if they're where they want to be on the offensive line and that tackle, Gerald Mincy is a swing guy, a backup at, at either tackle spot. Um, if he can improve in the offseason uh, and have a good fall camp, then that may be your best option. But they've got three guys competing to fill that last spot. And I, I think they were okay with either of any of the three coming out of spring, but they were not wowed by any of them. So if they could get a tackle in the portal, that would certainly fix a lot of the problems. Mincy maybe would have the better chance just because they've seen him the least. And so maybe he has the, has the higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. And three other guys you hit on, they all play the same position. Uh, Jimmy Holiday, Ramel Keaton, Jimmy Calloway. If you had to predict which one of these guys has the best season next year, which would that be? And and I think it was you. Uh, excuse me if I'm wrong, but I think Jimmy Callaway had what uh, I think you described the greatest play no one will ever see in the uh, the Tennessee scrimmage there. Yeah, it was like a 97 yard <laughs> catch and run, <laughs> uh, and he can do that. I mean, he played only like three or four games last year. Uh, the I think it was the pit game that he got plugged in. Uh, and it, really the most significant time that he played, they threw him like a, uh, just, just a little hitch, just basically almost a lateral, uh, line of scrimmage, a little, uh, slip screen. And he, he caught it and took off, went about 50 yards for a touchdown. You thought, wow, why isn't this guy playing more? Uh, Jimmy Callaway is a, a really good talent, um, really good in open field, can create a lot, uh, a, that they're they want to see more consistency out of him they want to see um a little more knowledge of the system out of him um you know i mean it, it, here's the thing is that tennessee uh you, you think of an up-tempo team you're going to be plugging in a whole lot of different guys because you're going to be going so fast you've got a you've got to have a pretty deep depth chart to go that fast at wide receiver it's actually the opposite they go so fast that they don't sub 
so while you may think, well, they're going to play, you know, six to eight wide receivers, Josh Hopple this past year and Josh Hopple historically at the other offenses, especially at UCF, he, he usually will only use three receivers. You see three receivers that all produce, and it's a steep drop-off at the fourth receiver. So there's a there's a cutoff at, 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 at number three. And uh, Cedric Tillman is back. He's a 1,000-yard receiver. Jalen Hyatt had a had a really good spring, and I think he's going to be their guy in the slot. So that's two. So so really, you have three guys which I which you mentioned are fighting over that third spot. There may be some other options, but one of those three guys is going to be above the cutoff, and the other two guys are going to be below the cutoff. And Callaway has a talent. I I, I don't think they're going to go for the inconsistent, talented guy. That they didn't do that last year with a couple of guys, including him. And so I think he's probably below that line. Um, also, he he's probably would probably be in the slot, which is where Hyatt would be. So that really leaves the other two, Holiday and Ramel Keaton. Uh, Ramel Keaton is kind of a known quantity. Um, he served as a good backup last year. Um, I don't I don't think he's going to get a whole lot better, but he's he's a stable, solid, consistent guy. Uh, th- that's why I tend to think m- maybe Jimmy Holiday would be um, – he would have the more upside, and he also had a pretty good spring. So I would say him or Keaton probably, but if I was a betting man, I would say maybe by the end of the year we say Jimmy Holiday is the guy that worked out the best. Now, I know you uh, covered Josh Heupel on, on his many stops there in the Big Orange Caravan, which I assume all Tennessee fans know what that is. If, if not, it's just uh, – you know, meetings with uh, fans across the state at these different functions. What's the uh, your main takeaway from all of Heupel uh, stops here on the Big Orange Caravan? His personality is coming out a whole lot more. Um, I mean, we saw from his from his first day um, on campus that he was in his opening press conference um, very affable, likable, sort of a sort of an all shucks type guy, but in a I don't know if you'd call him Midwestern, uh, but uh, Midwestern, uh, sort of, he seems Southern without being Southern, if that makes sense. He bl- he blends in pretty well. Um, uh, very sort of low-key guy. Um, so we, we knew all that about him. Um, it, it's actually funny that uh, a lot of his personality seems opposite of what his football personality is, which... You, you think of a of an offensive coordinator coach um, who who's a you know run and gun go fast super aggressive type coach you would think that would be more of a a, a brash in your face arrogant type um, you know you you think more of a Steve Spurrier type of personality maybe even a Lane Kiffin personality um, that's that that's not Josh Hopple Josh Hopple has more of the personality of an offensive line coach. You know, just sort of quiet and does his work and that sort of thing. But I think in the caravan we saw more of his personality where he would – he's a funny guy. I think the more comfortable he is, the more he leans into that. Um, and and to be likable and also take shots at people is a pretty good combination. And I think that uh, that resonated with the fan base. You know, there was, there was a guy at the uh, stop at Kingsport uh, that said – you know, ask Josh Hopple if he saw Lane Kiffin, could he ask that he return his golf ball to him? Uh, you know, so he, this guy's claiming that he threw it, you know, sort of a wink, wink. 
in, in the Ole Miss game. Well, Josh Hopple could have said, you know, I don't want to go into that or, or you know, as if he would get roasted on Twitter or something if he had, you know, endorsed violence, you know. But he could have done that. Instead, he said, well, you know, I, if you're the guy that threw it, I would want to know why you didn't bring more sleeves of balls. <laughs> and, you know, that's a if you're lockable, you can deliver that line and get a laugh, and everybody says, uh, he's, a, he's a good guy, he's just joking around. So there's no venom behind him. And I, I think that combination is going to serve him well. But, and here's the big but, that's always the case if you're winning. If, if you're losing, that'll be turned around, um, and people will want a guy with a more brash, uh, in-your-face personality. I, I think that's the case with all coaches. Whatever your personality is, if you're winning, it's a positive. If you're losing, it, somebody can find a way to, to turn around and be a negative. But there's a whole lot to like about his personality right now, and I think you've seen the fan base respond to that a lot at the caravan. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Ole Miss, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, on one of the recent episodes of the Volunteer State podcast, you uh, had a talking point I had never even considered, Adam, so uh, credit to you. I, I mean, I sit here and talk about this stuff all day, every day. I, I never thought about it. Tennessee and Ole Miss, you know, that's a rivalry that, uh, you know, maybe we could see some more of, and and hopefully we will when uh, we get to this pod system in the SEC that that looks to be coming. Can you kind of rehash on on why you think uh, that that's just such a great rivalry right now for Tennessee? Well, I think it certainly could be um, if if Lane Kiffin is there, obviously. Um, I I think the whole thing with rivalries in the SEC is going to get turned on its head if we do go to the pot system. Um, you know, I mean, with, with Ole Miss, that's a, that's a school that has, you know, a history, of tradition. Um, they have won at times sort of the level of Tennessee. Tennessee traditionally has, has more winning than Ole Miss, but, but they're in sort of a similar class if you look at, at, at uh, well, if you, if you look at the last 20 years, they're certainly in the same class. Um, but it, the, the pod system is going to change a whole lot of this because you're not going to have as many rivalries. Um, you know, I mean, there's so much talk about, you know, whether or not Tennessee could ever catch up with Georgia. Well, if they did, Georgia may not be on the schedule anymore. They may be in different pods, so you're not even going to be playing them, and it's not going to matter who wins the East because there will be no East. Um, you know, Alabama, if you're in the pod system, is probably still on – on Tennessee schedule and then Auburn will rise back up to be on the, on the yearly schedule. So I think a lot of this talk about who rivalries should be or will be is going to change a lot. Once Oklahoma and Texas get into the conference. Um, you know, I think I made the point on that same podcast that, um, you know, Florida, if you go to the pod system, Florida's probably not going to be on your schedule. Uh, but, but, but once every few years, so the perceived rivalry between Tennessee and Florida probably going to be over in a couple of years. So if, if Tennessee's going to going to have a better taste in its mouth from that from that rivalry, you better beat Billy Napier here earlier in his tenure, and you can sort of leave the rivalry in, in good standing. And I, I think a lot of teams maybe need to look around the conference and see it that way because whatever they think their rival is now, it, it's probably going to change in about three years. Mm-hmm. And, and last thing on Ole Miss. You know, like I referenced earlier, you've you've been in this conference, you've been covering it for many years. 
Have you ever seen a site quite like that? And I mean, not just, of course, the, the ugly ending there, but I mean, leading up to that, I mean, I was, I was in the stadium. That was just, just an incredible uh, atmosphere there that uh, the Tennessee fans put on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, you see trash thrown or things thrown uh, on the field uh, in, in other sports and other games. And, uh, you know, I, I think there was a game the other night where it happened a little bit of, at a Yankees game. Uh, it, it's different when Tennessee does it. And I don't mean that as a, as a, a, as a compliment or a criticism. It's just different. <laughs> it, it's looked at differently. Uh, they do it better or worse than everybody else, depending on your perspective. Um, you know, I mean, there was – you knew something could go down, obviously not to that extent, but you knew something could go down just in the vibe uh, that night, right? So you went out to Vol Walk. It was packed. When Kiffin came out, there was, you know, sort of this venom in him already. You knew he would kind of stoke the flames, which he certainly did. And uh, and then and in the way that the game went, th- there were some calls obviously uh, against Tennessee. There, there was a there was a touchdown that should have been for Tennessee that was that was taken off the board. Um, and then and then fanning the flames with the fake injuries and cramps that Lane Kiffin did. It just it, it was it was always going to go off the cliff in some way. Probably not to that extent. I think a lot of people expected, but um, but it was always going to go off the cliff in one way. And you you kind of wish that game would come back this year, right? I mean, that's that's a cross divisional game, so it's not going to happen. But if you could have that game every year, it, it, it I, I would invite it, and I think a lot of Tennessee fans uh, fans would. But uh, my my wife was in uh, the stands over there where the uh, where the trash was thrown from mostly, um, and one of my daughters was actually in the student section as well. <laughs> and when I got home. Uh, yeah, at the News Sentinel, we had a lot of photographers and videographers that they got a lot of footage of all that sort of stuff and who threw trash and you know, just just video of it coming out of the stands and all these sort of things, just covering the stuff as it happened. And and when I got home, I had to ask, am I, when I look at these photo galleries, am I going to see you guys throwing any trash? Because <laughs> if you did... You know, number one, I got to have an answer ready, or number two, I got to get into our system and start deleting <laughs> some photos. Uh, thankfully, nothing was ever found uh, of them throwing anything, and I don't. Uh, they say they didn't. Uh, that 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 being said, when I when I asked my wife, I said, "Where would somebody get a mustard bottle? Because you have mustard dispensers." You don't have mustard bottles, at, you know, at the concession stand. And she quickly said, "Well, yeah, on the second deck in this so-and-so concession uh, stand over at this other at this place where I was getting my hot dog, they had all these French's uh, bottles lined up." And really, that's that's funny that you knew exactly where that was. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I I I don't think there was any wrongdoing on her part. All right, last thing for you, Adam. I really appreciate all your time here. But um, if Tennessee is going to utilize the transfer portal before uh, fall camp arrives, uh, which position groups do you think they will uh, most likely target? Um, Offensive tackle, as I mentioned before. Um, Possibly wide receiver. I think they feel a little better about that right now. But but wide receiver, Brew McCoy from Southern Cal, they've been trying a, a while to get him. He's got some baggage that they're trying to look through to make sure they're okay to get him. 
um, but he would be one in corner. Uh, they've, they've looked at a couple of options, um, but I, you know, I think they can survive without getting another wide receiver. Uh, I, I, I think I have enough confidence in Josh Hopple's offense that they can plug and play with what they have because um, they did that pretty well last year. Mitch and Cedric Tillman hadn't done a whole lot in his career, and he had 1,000 yards last year. That system tends to produce guys that can produce, so to speak. I think the bigger two issues are offensive tackle, cornerback. As I mentioned, offensive tackle, they've got to plug that for plug that hole for offensive line to be a, a strength rather than a p- potential weakness. And at corner, they've just got so many issues because uh, when they lost a corner at the end of last year, the same bowl, Alante Taylor, who's going to the NFL now, when they lost him, it showed. And uh, th- they're going to have some pretty big question marks in the secondary. Uh, going into this year and they had like five corners that were all out with injuries in spring so the big question going into spring was who's going to be the start who's going to be the starting corner and they didn't get it answered because all the guys that potentially could be that were out so you're still carrying that looming question they need an upgrade there anyway um so if they could add a corner from the portal uh, I, I think they would feel a whole lot better they would just get have another option All right, he's Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Don't forget to give him a follow at Adam Sparks and check out the podcast, the Volunteer State Podcast. Thank you so much, Adam. This was outstanding stuff. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, good to be on anytime.